When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, is that the good old? That's the good old Kith water bottle. I know that one. This bottle. Yeah. You remember? You remember this bottle? I remember your water bottle. Is that a? That's a weird thing. That's a weird thing to say. But I've I do. For, you know, it's funny. I've had this one for like a few years now, <clears throat> and I bought I a new Kith. I bought a new Kith bottle because eventually I'm going to need to replace it. Eventually, this thing should probably die. But yeah. I you used to bring that over to my house when we recorded. You brought that to the trailer when we recorded there. And okay. every time we would. Every time we would make up, you know, because your kith, your kith is on my list. Yeah, yeah. Like a kith from a roof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to Kith. Just, just give me your kith. Yeah. No, I've been rocking hard with this kith corksicle bottle for yeah. Our kith, our kith bot, our kith bits. Mm-hmm. What is Kith? I, and every time I have to ask you, what is Kith? Oh, I mean, Kith is a pretty well-known like streetwear store and retailer um, out of New York City. God, I always assumed it was like a radio station, you know, K-I-T-H, like Ithaca, <laughs> like an Ithaca radio station. It comes from Kith and Kin. That's where the, like that phrase, Kith and Kin. And uh, Never heard that phrase. It's a friends and family. Um, oh, Kith yeah. oh, and Kin. Okay, got it. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, I'm cultured. I'm cool. <laughs> next time, yeah. Next time you're in what Brooklyn, or um, sure, I think where they sure. have the other locations. But yeah, uh, check it out. Done. <laughs> out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed. Call Andy and Kelly. Your business paper needs or Dundamip Then the people purses paper people Dundamip Then the people purses paper people Dundamip Then the people purses paper people Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and the purse girl that hits everything on your checklist, Edwin Janes. And with me as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Uh, I've never had a filet of fish. I'll say I'll just I'll just I'll just get that out of the way up top. Never had one. All right, you heard it here first. Each week we do. Uh, each week we release an episode on our favorite show, NBC's The Office. This week we'll be discussing the episode "Hot Girl" from season one. Plus, we'll go to the conference mm-hmm. room for some questions um, and some office news. A little crime man squad, FNC double time. Uh, but yeah. first. Um, let's do a little housekeeping. Uh, Alex, give us an update on your, uh, on your location situation. Well, I've, you know, I've, I've been made fun of for all the different places I've recorded and <laughs> been roasted that I'm constantly on vacation, which isn't true. It just, I just have a job where I can work remotely. Uh, and so that this week you may notice there was no drop. I don't, I don't have my full setup here. I'm not at home. Uh, I am at, um, my, my wife's, uh, uncle's house in Bend, Oregon, lovely central Oregon. Um, God's country out here. Um, it's beautiful. It. It's wonderful. And but I, I I don't have drops unfortunately. Um, we also don't have our dear friend Sean. Um, some of you know Sean. He's a another host on the show. Uh, he, his cat is is sick. He's taking his cat in to the cat hospital, mm-hmm. also known as vet. Yumi is under the weather. He said he was taking his cat to the ER, and I just pictured him pulling up at like a regular hospital. <laughs> Holding his cat, (laughs) pretty dark, but uh, that made me giggle. (laughs) The cat, my cat's been throwing up. Yeah, (laughs) my cat's throwing up. (laughs) Uh, Hey, no, uh, running in. All the hundred cc's stat. (laughs) All the best, and we wish a swift recovery uh, to uh, to beloved Yumi, who's made it some appearances in some of our uh, videos and photos. Um. Yeah, she's gone from messing with Sean while he's on camera to messing with Sean off camera. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's an evolution. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of two show cats uh, in the MSBC family. <laughs> uh, my my cat Walter being the other. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, so, so unfortunately, no Sean. No Sean. No Sean this week. <laughs> um, that's all we have to say about that guy. That's that's the uh, the big update. He did say there was an maybe there was an outside chance he could catch it at the end. We'll see what happens. Um, I'd love if he just dropped in to serve up a little trivia at the end. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. But but we'll see. We'll see. Mm -hmm. um, before we jump into this episode, and I have some info, we'll, we'll set the table. We'll talk. Get all into the details of uh, of Hot Girl from season one. Alex, do you want to share any more info about our Discord, our Patreon, ways that people can get involved with us? Oh, oh my gosh, yes, wow. I would love to. Uh, yeah, so we we've we we actually just this week. If you're hearing this on Tuesday, dropped our June mailbag episode. Uh, again, you know, almost there went two go. hours there. Just saying, this is there for you every single month. It's just there at your fingertips. And you know what? You sign up, you become a Scott's Tots, you get access to all of our old mailbag episodes. Uh, we've done thirty-seven of them, Edwin. Wow, that's, that's thirty-seven months. Over three years. Months yeah, of of raw, uncut, uh, hanging out with the boys uh, as we answer all of <laughs> and your Yumi questions. And Yumi and Walter. And Yumi and Walter. Um, on this one, actually, my, uh, Anne, my wife, just came upstairs and dropped a dessert in front of me. Uh, well, <laughs> like, dropped off a dessert. She didn't, like, spill it. Uh, it was great. It was really, it was wonderful. So you can hear me eating ice cream and, and cookies <laughs> on it. Um that I mean, would be a about... stroke of comedic genius if Anne walked up in frame and we would all be able to see and slowly walked up behind you and then just spilled dessert right on your right in the Let's middle of the and, and I gotta say that would be totally under her wheelhouse. Let's not forget one of the first retreat that we went on back when you mm -hmm. lived in Oregon. Um Anne engineered a fake pot of chili spill, if you remember this. Uh it was pulled yeah. off quite well. So so she has a press. There's a precedent there for her spilling food mm -hmm. in front of us. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, she needs to get her act together and uh, do something like that. Um, there, I, one, you're uh, the Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> correct. Um, you also mentioned our Discord. Uh, we have there's there's links to our Discord in the uh, in the episode description. You can always find it there. Again, that's just open to the public. There's a ton of stuff in that Discord. There are private. There's a private channel for Scott's Tots. Uh, we often will will go into the well there to to answer some questions, to get some questions for the podcast. Um, that's generally the channel where we're going to hang out and talk a little most. There's a Toast Talk channel. There's Job Role Play. If you just want to, <laughs> you know, quit the mundane grind of your job and then try try and one of the mundane for, for grind <laughs> of, a, of a virtual job. Yeah. Of a virtual fake job. Mm -hmm. So fun. Uh, wonderful community of people on there. Uh, big shout out to Kaylin, Brianna. Uh, who, who run the discord uh, all that's available to you um as well as some a bunch of bonus content and and you contribute to uh our our annual donations um to the thurgood marshall college fund uh helping us continue the mission that michael scott could not accomplish mm -hmm. so uh with all of that said shall we get into today's episode oh sorry i actually have one more thing which was kind of funny so i'm here um, Anne is at a emergency nurses conference in Bend. Okay. That's what that is why we're out. A conference here. for emergency nurses, not an emergency conference. Get out to bed now. <laughs> yeah, we got yeah. a lot of patients. Hey, yeah, it's, no. I, that's how um, I heard it. It's an important clarification. It is. Yeah, it's true. And um, anyway, we we're out here um, at our uncle Frank's house, and uh, Frank ha Frank has a daughter who's in high school, and uh, we got we got in last night, and I told her I was recording a podcast in the morning she's like she's like what that's so cool like um what you know, what's your podcast and i was like the office she was like oh my god i was just watching the office i love the office <laughs> what's your show called and i was like michael scott michael scott podcast company which is like oh, i just watched the episode michael scott paper company is it based <laughs> on that i was like yes <laughs> uh i was tempted to I was tempted to get some Gen Z voices on the show, but I think they're still sleeping, so not going to happen. Okay. But uh, it's alive and well with the youths, Edwin. We're still, we're cool. We're still cool. We're with it. Speak um, for yourself, man. I've always been young and cool. And if there's one thing we know to be true, I always will be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but hey, no, they have an you, open you invitation are. whenever they want to. Whenever they want to join. Fountain of Youth, Edwin James. I just got to say, <laughs> yeah. the guy hasn't aged a day. <laughs> 
Yeah, since, in five thousand years, I haven't aged today. <laughs> I, I met I met the kid when he was maybe thirteen. Still mm-hmm. looks he looks ten now. It's weird. Yeah, I have to perform all kinds of rituals to keep it like that. He's um, got the Benjamin buttons. This guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, hey. do you remember? Do you see the the between two ferns with Brad Pitt is is maybe the greatest ago. between two ferns. Ago, yeah, it's the one where Louis C.K. just walks out. It starts doing okay. stand up in front of them. <laughs> And okay. Zach Alphonse is like, that's the Benj- that's the Benjamin Button guy. That's the Benjamin Button guy right there. <laughs> anyway, shout out to that show. <laughs> uh, okay, without further Jesus. ado and without further uh, housekeeping, let's get into the main topic of this week's episode, which is Hot Girl Episode 6 from Season 1, directed by Amy Heckerling, written by Greg Daniels, Mindy Kaling, Ricky Gervais. Um, and following the credits, starring Steve Carell, Rain Wilson, and John Krasinski. One, <laughs> um, we were excited to talk about this episode because it was one from season one we hadn't uh, dived into just yet, and also with the super fan cut, we get to see even more uh, bonus footage. So, um, I guess Alex, first instincts, thoughts, uh, reaction to this episode. Yeah, it, uh, the extended cut of this. With especially even the opening scene, some of the others where you're just like, man, the show used to be a little more rough around the edges. Like mm-hmm. it was not a polished product, um, even six episodes in. And you go like, this is the, you know, I guess you could call it the season finale of season one, which is a weird thing to say. It's only six it's episodes. It's the season ending of season one. Yeah. Yeah. you're. It's the, it's where season one stops. Um, but man, oh man, the... The spiritual connection to the to its to the, the the real office, the BBC office, is so strong here. the The Jim and Pam relationship is just like this tantalizing thing. The colors are all we talked about this a lot. The colors are so yes. muted in season one. Michael's hair is disgusting. It just Michael <laughs> is disgusting in season one. Just so much about him. And in this episode, um, the gut check on this one is like you know Steve Carell's talked about how a lot of the office wouldn't work in today's day and age this one has a lot like this episode is a is kind of a flagship for like don't think you could have pulled this off you could in 2005 um but man like michael's such a bummer in this episode and it not in the way that he usually is which is entertaining and almost endearing none of that is really here um all of the everyone looks so young a, <laughs> a lot of the characters are still people are still just kind of figuring out who they are namely like oscar season one still has some some of those characters that you just never see again they're like oh yeah who's that guy devin Um, and luann yeah devin luann and then there's one other there's one other guy with like glasses um you see him he's one of the people scrunched into the hr meeting in the hallway that we actually get to see this time Mm -hmm. uh, oh yeah extended cut yeah um anyway yeah gut check is just like man they don't they don't make them like they used to Um, (laughs) and uh you know, the, there's it hasn't. I can't say this episode has aged great, but uh, it is not a. Uh, it's probably not an episode that The Office is putting putting at the front of the line. Yeah, it's funny this this episode rewatching it uh, to prepare to prepare for this episode and and diving back in. I think it was it, it kind of reminded me of and the beauty of all, a lot of these super fan cuts is it reminds you of watching The Office for the first time. And thinking yes. back to what it felt like to watch season one, like this episode, particularly this um, extra bit of added footage, really, really drove that home. Um, this episode is very excruciating, and it's even more so um, when there's a, when the extra footage, the extra deleted scenes, give it that extra space to breathe. You see some scenes that are elongated that were not edited down to fit that time frame, and you're just going to see so much more. It's funny you mentioned how young the characters look, which is really, really true. And also uh, a, a detail that is kind of cast into relief based on the fact that Jim actually says Michael's age in this episode, which is something they don't generally yes. do in the rest of the uh, series. Um, and everyone looks younger except for Michael Scott, who somehow looks older than Steve Carell looks right now. <laughs> yeah, he looks older than season nine, Michael, like by or yeah. season nine, season seven, Michael, by far. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. Um the what hollywood can do and yeah yeah it's it, jim mentions that michael's only f- like 41 which is like that feels young mm-hmm. for michael like i i feel like they uh i mean they they skirt around his age later he tries to 
you know, we, we know he's the same age as Phyllis. But yeah, that's that's a really good call that it does make you feel like you are meeting these characters for the first time again. Um, the, even though this is coming at the end of the season. Totally. And I think another thing to just kind of go off of that is that um, the writing of the show, specifically a lot of the stuff that was edited out and that comes back in, is stuff that or is is content, let's say, and details about characters that if the show goes on for many, many seasons, you have to either hold yourself to that or or you could or you're going to face a different um you're gonna have mm-hmm. to have something different. Which is only to say, like, for example, the actress who pays, plays Pam's mom in season two is not the same actress um who plays Helene later on. Andy's parents from season four versus Andy's parents later in the show. And there are a lot of details that are just kind of given out very um, sort of flippantly, like let's say Michael's age or Jim talking about, um, you know, Mambo number five on a mixtape from junior high. Um, these little things that, you know, I think it's a little more intentional that they don't uh, give very, very, very specific details later in the show. Granted, they react to things like Facebook and and, and whatever, yeah. um, but the details that they give out are so specific in uh, in this particular batch of extended footage um, that it's just really interesting. It's just a different way of writing the show. I mean, we know the show has a whole different tenor when when Jim and Pam are not together yet. Um, but even even like in season two, I mean, obviously that's sort of the main crux of season two and three is is still the will they won't they. But this in season one, like when you're still getting Roy, you know, having lunch in the break room with everyone and just like the energy Roy has here and the energy around their relationship and where Jim fits in. It's so much more nuanced. It's so much more, um, it, it deals in kind of those mundane silent moments that we really like so much about the office. And it's a bummer. We don't have Sean on this episode right now. Cause boy, Oh boy, is this right up Sean's alley that just (laughs) gray tones, just downer feeling. Sean likes gray and also charcoal. Yes, and this this episode, <laughs> you mentioned it's, it's excruciating to watch, and and watching it back, everyone is trapped. Like you feel trapped the entire time you're watching this episode. <laughs> Katie's trapped in that room with Michael constantly cornering her. Um, Jim, Jim is just trapped in this like love for Pam. Pam is trapped in this relationship with Roy. Like no one can get out. Nothing. It doesn't feel like there's. It, all the air feels stale in this episode. Um, and it, it's all intentional. Like it's in a way it's like this episode is really well executed because I think that's everything they were going for. Um, and like I say, this is like Stephen Merchant and Ricky Gervais, their, their fingerprints are still all over season one. And this feels that way. It just feels like there's no hope in this episode for anybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's- except Jim at the end where you're like, oh, okay, Jim and Jim and Kate. Great. Like maybe they're, maybe that works. I mean, it, it, it aligns with the the image from Greg Daniels that we've heard that Sean often, uh, like you said, it's a it's a it's a bummer that Sean's not with us because this is an image that he kind of goes to, but the, the like the sort of cold, stark parking lot with a single flower growing up out of it. And mm-hmm. um, I think you outlined many ways uh, in which this episode feels that way. I think too, um, I say it's excruciating, but in a way that I love. I mean, it's the cringe comedy of The Office. It's it's um, it's like the early DNA heartbeat of the show that kind of has to radiate through all the way to the end. And I think, I mean, you mentioned Jim and Roy, for example, when they're having that conversation in the break room and Pam gets up and walks away upset because of what Roy says. And they don't cut away. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they don't cut away, but they just leave the camera there. And it's just Roy and Jim sitting at a table with nothing to say to each other. And you just get to sit in the silence for a minute. And I think a little later in the series and in many other series, let's say that you need to advance the plot. You need to stay within like a 22 minute runtime. That like it's mm-hmm. very you you cut from scene to scene, and when you have like these little extra moments of season one, a lot of it is like the copier running, um, or that like ambient yep. noise of uh, the phones and Dunder Mifflin. This is Pam, and that little extra oxygen, I guess, where the show can kind of breathe and be itself. Like that is uh, a really really unique hallmark of season one. Yeah, and this one, I mean, we can start kind of moving through the beats of this. Episode. Yeah, let's do it. Yes. Um, but I mean, <laughs> starting with a Mike, uh, just a great Michael and Jan call. Um, another Michael gets, you know, directive from corporate of, hey, we have an incentive program to increase sales, um, you know, and any sign of good <laughs> writing. This is this is not a wasted scene. This comes back later uh, in the episode when we see how Michael uh, spends those funds. And we know Michael has a penchant for uh, grossly misappropriating 
um, funds not meant for him, uh, but meant for his staff that he then finds a way to make it for him. Um, and in this way, a bargaining chip to try and woo Katie. Um, but at this point, yeah, Michael, it's just, it's, <laughs> and Jan, I mean, Jan, Jan sniffs this out immediately. I'm just like, uh, no, Michael, you, you can't win this prize. Uh, not like Michael makes it hard to figure out, but Jan in this, you know, I was just thinking about this call when Michael gives other characters kind of like commands, it's very funny to watch how they parry or how they uh, dodge yeah. around what Michael is asking them to do directly. Um, for example, uh, Jim will say something like, that doesn't sound like something that I'm going to do. Or, you know, like Jim is always kind of rhetorically kind of moving around. And Pam uh, often finds a way to redirect it as well. Um, and and Dwight will often go to great lengths to make whatever Michael wishes a reality. Would that make you happy? Yes. And yes. then you think about Jan in this moment where he says, uh, you tell Alan that the Mets suck. And she says, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't care how your day was, Michael. Like she has, she just will shut him down so immediately. I, I absolutely love it. She does it here on this phone call too. One other thing about the Mets, uh, tell them the Mets sack. Okay. From me, big time. Go pirates. I, this is also a sign that was like pretty early where I was like, I, you know, there wouldn't be pirates fans. And they, if anything, they're Phillies fans. Mm. Like they're much closer to Philadelphia than to Pittsburgh. Uh, well, so the, I, go, I, the the go Pirates just didn't didn't work for me. I was like, that doesn't doesn't make it doesn't feel right for Michael. Uh, <laughs> but this season although, one, Michael, you know, they're still figuring it out. Man, when we get Mike Schur on this show, we can ask him about that because Mike Schur is such a big baseball fan. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But yeah. I never thought about it in that way because Jim is a Phillies fan. They always talk about the Phillies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love Philly. Dirty town. <laughs> I don't know. That town smells I don't like have drops. I yeah. I love Philly. Dirty town. That town is full of history. Um, one thing that we do get as an inclusion in the Superfan Cut is Katie just walking into the door and starting her sales pitch to Pam. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I we really actually really see was, Katie work, yeah. work in it. Mm -hmm. Like, really forcing her way into the office. This is just like, no one is like, no one wants this. No soliciting. But she's, uh, she's, she's she kind of has some grotty, some grotty energy there. <laughs> I could be very persistent. <laughs> <laughs> do your worst yeah who's a better salesman katie katie grotty grotty uh, two best salesmen we see on the show yeah. or vikram yeah or vikram yeah those yeah. are the big three yeah uh, <laughs> that's the that's the pairing of the three funniest talk about a car ride they have nothing to talk yeah. about those three just silent they talk about michael that's what they talk about in that car ride <laughs> <laughs> the one force that brings them together and destroys I universes. Can be very persistent. Yeah. <laughs> Accidents happen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what an unpredictable world we live in. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, Katie knocks down the coat rack. Same yeah. thing. Uh, that's funny. Uh, but we also get this scene where everyone in the office turns and looks at Katie and they're just kind of staring through her. Um, it's it's shot in such a yeah. unique way because it does it. It isn't necessarily from Pam's point of view the way that we usually see that wide lens. It's kind of this half view that's a little more truncated, and it just kind of shows a lot of the male characters in the office. So it's like Kevin and Devin and Dwight and Jim and um, I'm trying Creed. to think who else they're, is in that framing. Like yeah, pretty but much all they the, almost yeah. get all the male characters in that yeah. shot and just like staring at her. And it's better very to, better to edit that one out. Maybe <laughs> better to edit uh, that one out. And yeah, yeah. But honestly, like it's it's such an uncom. I mean. This is why it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and to be, you know, to be an attractive woman in that office in 2005, like you probably would for people who've just, no one knew ever comes through that building. Like she, she feels like she's in a zoo. And honestly, like once she's in the conference room, it, the, the whole episode feels like she is literally like there's in a cage there and people just come through and look at her and try and like interact with her. To be um, fair, Dwight is the one who has the alligator belt. So, yeah, he does. It's yeah. true. It's true. Uh, <laughs> the way he lifts up his shirt and shows yes. her the belt is so gross and so. I mean, funny. anyway, that's, that's another element of this episode is that there. Michael is he originally says no, let's Kate, and then sees Katie decides to give her the entire conference room, even though there's supposed to be an HR meeting there at eleven thirty, and then Michael also proceeds to lead her out of the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he leads her out of the room to meet everyone. Um, yes, 
Yeah. He, Michael loves doing this. He loves taking people on a tour of the people mm-hmm. at the branch. It's so weird. Um, it's, his, it's his domain. It's his kingdom. Yeah. I'll say that, though, seeing the full cut, when you see when you see the full interaction Katie has when she comes in and mm-hmm. kind of sells herself as like, I know you're all working hours. You don't have much time to go shopping. I'm going to bring purses to you, mm-hmm. handbags to you. And she knows men are her great clientele because they just buy stuff as a gift. They accept and, recommendations. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you. I think I think. In that scene, Katie seems very aware of her like sex appeal and is using it. And then very quickly that changes. I think once Michael shows up, because like, well, a part yeah. of me was like, boy, Katie could just like manipulate Michael to get whatever she wants, and she does mm-hmm. to an extent to just like set up her purses in the room. But that kind of quickly changes where she's just like, I almost feel like she could have sold Michael eight purses, like if she if she wanted yes. to. Um, but Michael is so threatening isn't the right word but he's just this looming presence that is just clearly making her very very uncomfortable and he is not picking up any of these signals but this starts like you said this starts right away when all the men are just looking at her and that shot is very just like why she's like i kind of want to leave now maybe i shouldn't (laughs) be here yeah there 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 are other things that kind of reinforce that as well. It is it is very true, kind of what you mentioned. Like the depiction of Katie in this episode is very different based on the editing and how things are framed yeah. and what is uh, cut and what is, I guess, uh, re-added. Um, but one thing that happens as well, Michael just goes into the conference room and he's like, you're all set up. And then he just kind of stands there. Anything you need. Anything oh. you need, I'm here. Like he won't, his presence is, is, is enough. Um, and he's just looking for anything. Yeah. He's like, any like coffee. Oh, I knew it. I knew I could spot an addict. Mm-hmm. Like he's just trying to make any sort of connection with her. Yes, um, absolutely. And she says regular coffee is fine. <laughs> yeah. But this, yeah, that gets to the well. We'll get to the whole yeah. espresso thing and the mm-hmm. using the money for that. You know, what would be a very funny flip of this episode if you were to re- take it a different way. Is that this episode starts with this new sales incentive? And Michael hasn't rolled it out to the, or Michael does, I guess he rolls it out. Cause somebody says, isn't, I think Stanley says, isn't that supposed to be for the um, yeah. person with the most sales? I would love it if this, this episode ended with Katie selling a bunch of purses all but like two. And then as she's about, Jim is about to give a ride home and Michael is still in frame in earshot. She said, this is, and cause Jim has this line where he says, uh, or Katie says, uh, are you sure you got that? And he says, yes, it's lighter. You sold a lot of purses today. And it would be amazing if yeah. she said, uh, if she said something like, "Yeah, there's a sales initiative. I'm truly trying to be the leading salesman in the company this month." <laughs> yeah, and Michael, and Michael overhears it. Yeah, and he's got six purses. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, I do love that the little breadcrumb uh, in, in the writing. I think where at the in the opening scene, Jan says, "You know." Uh, reward your top seller with a prize up to a thousand bucks, and he says, "Well, a thousand big ones," and then later. He's showing the espresso machine to Katie and he like taps the box. He's like, yeah, a thousand big ones. It's like talks about <laughs> how much it costs. Um, just so you, you know, it's very clear where he got that money. Mm-hmm. Um, a little anyway, bit like Trevor see. with the receipt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a good safe? You tell me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, um, I mean, getting into to sort of, I, we can call it the, the kind of revolving door. Um, yeah. Char- um, so many characters check in with Katie here. Um, it's for sort of fun to see, like she's definitely here to f- probably sell to the men, but she definitely enjoys like, like when Pam comes in and talk to her, talks to her, Michael chases her out eventually. And then, like, as Pam is in that room, Katie's like, please come back later. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, she, she's, 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 she's put herself in this situation that is not great now. And, uh, Angela's not that warm to her, you know, <laughs> Angela's, you know, kind of has her, her Angela's character sort of always felt consistent mm-hmm. from the beginning. Uh, a little bit of an upturned nose at everything going on, making some comments about the purses. You look like you like great. to touch things. Yeah. Seems like you like feeling that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a velvet one. Yeah, that's that's such a great little interaction. Um, it is it is true that there aren't B and C storylines in this episode because it is so early in the show that 
Yes. Even in the context of, I mean, how many episodes of The Office start with? It's blank day in The Office. And then there are different things that kind of revolve around that. But um, to have that organizing principle, like every character storyline taps into that. Um, yes. From Angela to Kevin to even the characters, I guess the, the closest thing to a B storyline is uh, the stuff that's included in the extended cut, which is little Ryan and Kelly and then the meeting in the hallway. Yeah, yeah, the meeting in the hallway. Yeah. I, I mean, it's so... The, in this, it's not the express plots that are different storylines, like in season one. And this episode's a good example where the other storylines are, are emotional storylines of just like how characters are made to be... How characters are being made to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael, like the storyline is kind of... Michael grasping with his own being single 41 Mambo number five is his ringtone. Like it's still very much he's eating, he's eating a lot of filet fishes. He's using cologne <laughs> off the straw. Like it's so much of him grappling with like confronting this. Like, do I still have what it takes to attract a partner? Um, that's really what's going on with Michael this episode. Pam. I mean, Pam is taking hits after she is catching strays yeah. this entire episode. It's rough. I mean, it starts right away when Katie's at front the front desk and Michael walks up. Hey, break it up. You're being infiltrated. Cox in the hen house. Um, yeah. Wow. Look at you. You're you're like the new and improved Pam. Pam 6.0. You know, just just a slap in the face. Then Roy does it later when they're eating lunch. Just like, oh, if, if I wasn't dating Pam, I'd totally be all over that. It's just like, right. Like, what do you talk? Who says that? You know, and we're not dating, we're engaged. Um, and then, like, I, it just it just keeps happening. Um, Kevin, even Kevin. Yeah. Just says a horribly, horribly rude, which which Pam calls out. Like, that's extremely rude to say, Kevin. And Kevin just kind of, like, shrugs. It's just like, mm-hmm. dude, she can't love, love just like, she's way prettier than you. You're just like, dude. Like, that's, it's again, that where I come back to, like, everyone feels trapped. And Pam... Uh, maybe most of all here um, where she's just being made to feel like she's trapped in this relationship, dead end relationship with Roy who doesn't even appreciate her. Everyone's talking about how she's not as pretty as this new girl that came in. She's just trying to feel appreciated, loved by anyone. Um, But so is Michael. And so is Katie in a weird way. It's, it's just like every, every, all their, all their emotions are just bubbling below the surface. And yeah, those are the different storylines to me. Well, and you think too, like that Pam says, it's nice to have someone else for Michael to interact with. Um, yes. But she still doesn't get to avoid uh, all that, all the commentary and stuff from, uh, from her, her, from her colleagues, you know, um, or like that scene where she's um, putting on makeup and the camera catches her or near the end when she goes to talk to Jim, which is kind of her release, let's say from, or release is the mm-hmm. wrong word. Like that's the outlet, right? They joke with each other. That's the thing that helps them get through the day. Um, Jim says he's her go-to guy for things like the job and Roy. And mm-hmm. like, even when she goes into that, Jim says, I'm going to see Katie. So like there is, none of that is there. Um yeah. So it's 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 kind of sad in that regard. One thing that did cross my mind um, is when he says Pam six point oh. I always I that's an, a reference to AOL six point oh, is it not? Oh, is it? I always I wow. always assumed so. That's from like early two thousands days. It's a great call out. This is how you know that I'm really cool and hip, like Alex said early in the episode. <laughs> I'm thinking about things like AOL six point Just a twelve year old boy was advertised and marketed to us. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I had that disc right right uh stacked on top of my checks mix or uh, checks yeah, quest. Checks quest. Yeah, for sure. Checks quest, baby. <laughs> yeah, we used to get uh, free video games with our cereal. Boy, it was good to be a nineties kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um but the other thing that I think stands out as a big storyline is Dwight and how Dwight acts in this episode. Yeah. Um because this version of Dwight is so kind of um subservient to Michael still. He asks if he has permission to ask out Katie, um, Jim, Jim kind of manipulates him in a way, but it seems a little bit like, um, this is, it's, it's so early Dwight and Jim where, uh, they're, yes. they're, it's, it's a little less, uh, everyone knows that they have this, that like they're, they're not as entrenched in the pranking dynamic. It seems like Dwight will li- listen to what Jim says, uh, earnestly without that skepticism of, of, of yeah. Jim getting pranked. Yeah. Jim tricked me into thinking I'd walk to walk on part on NCIS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah there's none does. of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have the deep battle scars yet. He's yes, not a grizzled exactly. vet. Exactly. He's still kind of a cherub, fresh faced 
uh, you know, newcomer here with with Jim. But we also see Dwight go in before before he talks to Jim, before getting psyched up by Jim, mm-hmm. and which I thought was super yeah. interesting. And this is where he starts talking about reptiles. Um, and Katie even says, uh, you seem to really know oh, a lot about reptiles. Yeah. <laughs> you really like reptiles. Yeah. 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 <laughs> are they waterproof? That's oh, faux snakes. Well, snakes are waterproof, so I'm guessing so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He lifts up Just his shirt for the work. alligator belt, like you said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, but yeah, but th- I mean, again, this is... Dwight is so interesting to me in this episode because, yes, he has this moment. He has the moment, which we'll probably talk about in a sec, where Jim psychs him up and then Jim and Pam are doing the narration. Um, but then also Dwight asks Michael for permission and he um, also asks Katie out and she says no. Like No, to, uh, the way yeah, she says yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so rough. But we just get like it's, – it's really interesting, this version of Dwight particularly, because we also get – um, and I know I'm kind of racing through these things so we can go back and revisit them, but he get, we get no, clarification of the girl from the t-shirt from uh, the basketball game. as like his perfect woman. Oh yeah. Yeah. Coco, Coco, uh, um, Coco, I, I would, Gosh, wait, with I have it. Kone Kotaka. There it is. Ko- yeah. Kone Kotaka. Yeah. Well, and then also we get the, the, like a very early version of Dwight's perfect date. Right. Um, or the perfect crime, I should say. The perfect date is a precursor to his perfect crime. It's all it's all one and the same. Mm-hmm. It's all one and the same for him. Yeah, his perfect date. She's in on it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here, you know, Dwight. Um, yeah, like you say, good look into his psyche. Um, this is this is pre pre knocking boots in the playhouse at Jim's barbecue, Dwight. Um, before he has some confidence. And imagine, uh, imagine this version of Dwight with Michael and Isabel at the wedding. Like, it's just not the same person. It's completely different. And here, Dwight's like, I mean, I mean, you know, Angela teaches him a lot. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but here, yeah, Dwight, like, again, yeah, needing, needing to sort of um, get ramped up, get in the like he for him, it's like he approaches this like a hunt. Like and, and and honestly, Michael does too. But like when he's going to talk to a female, when he's like, "All right, I need to like think about, you know, where I need to be. I need to think about the movements. I got to make sure I'm, I'm upwind." <laughs> like he's doing all <laughs> this, all this prep work. Like like he really is treating it like an animal. And you know, that's 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 Dwight, right? Um, growing up on a farm. But it is funny in this context when, um, the viewer we know he has no shot. Um, yeah. this whole time. Right. And Katie knows that. And everyone knows that it seems but Dwight Um, and Jim. You know, Jim's messing with Jim's messing with Dwight, obviously. But it's not even to I don't think it doesn't seem like he's doing it to make Dwight's life worse. He's doing it because I think he wants to, like, goof around with Pam. Um, I think for him, for Jim, it's like this whole setup to get Dwight in that scene where he can then do the voiceover. Uh, behind Pam, um, I think so. Yeah. There's there, and there's still so there. Anyway, that's just still this like aspect of Jim, also not great at confronting his feelings, confronting what's going on with. Uh, I mean, we, we see him later when you know uh, Roy's tickling Pam right next to his desk, and you just get that shot of Jim and kind of pushes her towards Katie of just like, fine, this is never going to happen. I'll just. I'll just casually spit some great game on Katie and then we'll take her out for drinks after dinner. It's so easy for Jim <laughs> by the end yeah. of this episode. Uh, it's funny when you contrast it to all the other men in the office um, and then see how Jim operates. Um, <laughs> almost almost like, let me send Dwight in. Let me trick Dwight into talking to you for a while because then when I come in and talk to you, you're going to be very relieved. <laughs> it's almost, <laughs> almost Jim's move here. Um, and Michael's falling on his own sword the entire episode anyways. Michael is al- Michael is already so far in his own head. Like Dwight says to him, uh, "Do you love her?" He says, "I don't know, I don't know." Like no. he's already, I don't, I don't know. yeah, he's already in his head. He's 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 gone so it's many really places. Tell. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for Jim, I think also like there is an element of this episode or in this season, if this is the season ending or this right not finale per se, but um. Like, think of all the sad Jim and Pam moments we've had this season, or maybe like heartbreaking moments, let's say. Um, yeah. And 
then maybe there's a little bit of hope for for Jim because Pam says, I hope he finds someone. And like, that's the person that it seems like maybe that can be someone for Jim. It, it, it's like, it's funny because in a way it's hopeful, but it's not what we actually want as viewers. We want Jim and Pam to be together. Um, But it's, it's funny that it like comes about in this way and that Michael, like everyone is Michael and Dwight are so, uh, are also um, rejected. Um, But yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, We see Ryan getting kelly a purse maybe ryan is uh is called in for many things in this episode he cleans but they're up. not mm-hmm. but ryan and kelly aren't even a thing yet so that's uh, dwight eventually dwight eventually gives her his purse to his mini briefcase to mm-hmm. to kelly but yeah, yeah you're right ryan R- ryan is very still much the intern of like there is no task too small for ryan well yeah, he gets uh, he has to do the file share. He cleans up Michael's desktop. Uh, he's got to cover in the extended cut. He has to cover the uh, conference room while Katie is selling or is meeting the rest of the office. Um, he he gets clean that Michael's one for car. He gets that one for Kelly. Um, he has to clean Michael's car. Uh, it, it it's funny just to see where he is in this episode. He's just kind of this. Um, he's uh he's in the shoe bitch era. <laughs> <laughs> In his early shoe pitch era. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to, um, uh, do you want this this bottle of power drink? What flavor? Blue? Blue's not a flavor. It says Blue Blast. Oh, Blue Blast. Yes. Put that in the trunk. Yeah. There should be an unopened Arctic chill back there. Um, I want that. That's, that whole scene. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's such classic Michael and Ryan. That whole scene of like Michael prepping his car for something that's never going to happen. Um, Ryan getting to f- literally and figuratively look under the hood of Michael's life a little bit by looking in his car. I mentioned the filet of fishes up top. That's over several months, Ryan. Still, uh, he's got Rite Aid perfume. That's what it sounded like. Um, and Michael, Michael's yeah, like, Rite Aid night swept. Yeah, Rite Aid night swept. He's like, I'm not paying for that label. Um, but I, I mean. It is this this cramped scene of of Ryan seeing Michael uncut in a way of just like Michael's eating habits, Michael's fashion habits, Michael's just style, Michael's general. I mean, all of this in a convertible Sebring. I mean, it's all just like the wall. It just feels like the wall is closing in on Ryan uh, at all times in this episode. Yeah. Um, and that's still that's very much his role in season one. Like you say, he's he really is just like. We need to have all of the. We get. To, we need to get to know all of our characters by having Ryan interact with them, experience them for the first time, make observations about them that we haven't seen yet, and it works really well. It's a really good device. Um, it's fun to see Ryan still in that capacity for sure, and 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 the old like '90s haircut Ryan with the big <laughs> yeah yeah big swoops going off either side, kind of that middle part almost. Um, <laughs> good to see. Good to see. No, yeah, it's it's funny that like it's the these dynamics of these characters doesn't last that long. It, when you think about no. the nine seasons of the show, um, I mean, obviously they last for a little while, long enough that everyone knows them. That they are the how they are known is you know Michael is or excuse me Dwight is assistant to the regional manager uh, and and kind of sucking up to Michael and Jim and Pam. Well, they won't they and Ryan and this temp weird dynamic with Michael it it's funny to think like they are so well established and so well referenced. Um, but the show, how the show kind of outgrows it a little bit and plays around with it in the later seasons, you know, but to see it here, yeah. you get to see it just really, really firmly um, drawn, I guess, let's say. Yeah. Um, in this. Episode. And, it's, you, and it's crazy. Cause it's like, there's this episode and then in two seasons, Ryan's in corporate. <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah. like he's, a, <laughs> it changes very fast. Um, and and similarly, like Jim and Pam, it, that amount of time is Jim and Pam don't date until that amount of time either. Um, so all the track that gets laid in season one, um, I mean, this episode really crystallizes all of the things that, uh, I mean, all the seeds that are planted are, are very, very upfront in this episode of just like, Michael's desperation, Michael's loneliness, the Jim and Pam dynamic, Ryan's ambitions, all these stuff that will blossom throughout the next five seasons um, are still so just like, they're just so palpable here. Um, 
that was, that was just such a it's just viscerally this episode is so different um from so much other stuff we see in the rest of this show and i mean season one is that whole way but this one especially is just harsh like really is like yeah it just it just grabs your head and just mushes you in <laughs> like <laughs> presses your face into into the pie uh, of just like this doesn't feel good does it you love it don't you <laughs> yes i do i love it so much you're kev you're kevin uh, <laughs> and uh it, it's it laverne's uh pies tires fixed also yeah exactly uh one last thing i think to say on this episode for me is you talked about things being viscerally different the visuals of the office in this episode are visually di- are viscerally different the little mm. hallway that we never see again until season nine when oh, it's yeah. lockers somehow um and then the parking lot is different so again, just right. it's 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 the show finding itself, forming itself um, in a way that is is so interesting because the show went on to be so successful um, and has remained successful over many years. But in that early going, it doesn't even look like itself. It doesn't. By the way, I'm glad you brought up that the deleted scene in the extended cut of the HR meeting. Uh, just a great little bit of physical comedy, just for fun, of just like eight people jammed in a tiny space. With a, Toby's got a whiteboard going. They're handing papers to each other. There's a tray There's of like, pastries. It's like a real meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you need the tra- like leave the pastries out for just that short amount of time? Yeah, it's just a fun sight gag. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed it. Oh, and we didn't even mention the Toby scene here. Oh, of course. Um, talk about Bishop O'Hara yeah, talking about pl- <laughs> planting seeds for later in the show. But like, yeah, we get. I think uh, Toby notices a, a class ring mm-hmm. from from Bishop O'Hara, not Fisher O'Hara. <laughs> Uh, they have this light connection like right away. It's like Toby does 10 times better than Michael in 10 seconds with, with Katie, <laughs> just like being a normal person to having something to talk about. Uh, and Michael can't stand it. And right away is just like, Oh, he's divorced has a kid. You slept in your car one night. Is that right? Like, <laughs> like Michael's just has such a sharp knife uh, sometimes. Oh, look at her. She's a cutie. Like just immediately right after points out the picture of uh, Toby's daughter. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> just leaving, leaving Toby, just a charred remains of Toby behind um, as usual. So poor Toby. Um, we're still sympathetic to him at this point. So yeah. Lo- love that groundwork that's laid as well. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break, folks. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, already in progress. We are going to move into our conference room segment, um, which will begin with a sub-segment of that, which we like to call Crime and Squad FNC Double Time, uh, Crisis Management Squad Front and Center Double Time. This refers to some news about the office that we are responding to, in this case, uh, three or four weeks late. But uh, <laughs> this news comes uh, in the form of an office remake that is happening in Australia uh, for Prime Video. Um, the remake of this, this coming from deadline, uh, prime video Australia is remaking the office as a female led comedy starring standup Felicity Ward in the role Ricky Gervais first made famous. Uh, she will be playing a character named Hannah Howard. Uh, and instead of a paper company or it will be a packaging company, uh, Finley Craddock. Uh, when she gets news from the head office, they will be shutting down thin, thinly Craddock, Flinley Craddock. Flindley Craddock. That's great. That's a wonderful couple words. Uh, two words. Yeah. Um, when she gets news from head office that they will be shutting down her branch and making everyone work from home, she goes into survival mode, making promises she can't keep in order to keep her work family together. Um, wow. So uh, knowing what we know about that, which is a very pretty little at this point, how do you feel about an actual office remake like this being made? I, I got to see it. I need to see this. I need that footage. I need it. I think, um, I think this, honestly, this, it's just, just because you told me about this before we started recording. I haven't looked into this at all, but based on what you just told me, um, changing up the characters enough that it feels different feels like the right route to go. Honestly. Um, love that it's Australia. So it's still, you know, in the Commonwealth going back to the show's roots. Um, you got female boss. You have I kind of like the 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 take on the current day of like it's going to be everyone work from home, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of feel Michael would have a similar 
desperation with like, no, I need if I if they're from home, I don't have my family anymore. Like I need my family here in this office with me or my life is over. <laughs> um, I could see I can see that playing out pretty well. Um, do, do you have any is there any indication of like how many episodes or like the um, scope of the series? Not that I can see. There are other there's some more casting uh, updates. Uh, this does say, and, let, and we should be clear, this is the 13th remake of the show, but it's the first to have a female. Sure. Uh, other remakes sure. have been made in France, Canada, Chile, Israel, uh, the Middle East, and Poland, um, where a third season has just been ordered. Um, it says uh, the in Office Poland. Australia will, yeah, they will launch globally on Prime Video in 2024. Um, I thought this was a super interesting uh, piece of news. I mean, we've, we've known about Office remakes. I think people have... have uh, show them to us at once. But this does have a little bit of, um, it has a quote from Stevie, uh, Stevie, wow, uh, Ricky Gervais, um, who says, I'm very excited about Australia. I'm remaking my little show from the turn of the century. Aus politics have changed a bit in 20 years, so can't wait to see how they navigate a modern day David Brent. Um, I do think it's super interesting to see how this might come to life because I think um, it might be different enough that it gains traction. But like you said, we need to see it. Um, who knows? We'll see. But uh, I, it is interesting to see that this is the first one with the female lead. I, I would be I'm interested to see how that goes. Yeah, I'm going to watch this. And it's on Prime, you say? Mm-hmm. In 2024. So a little bit of time to wait. But Okay. 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 Yeah. That's, you know what? Let's go. You know, um, MSPC Hive, check it out. Give them the, you know, give them the click. Give them the download. Let's watch that when it comes out. Uh, perhaps we'll if we're still uh, if we still exist then we'll talk, we'll talk about it <laughs> we shall oh, see only time we see. will tell um, but moving on to the our next question here in the conference room this comes from Molly um, who sent us a message that says uh, I found a videographer to film my wedding mockumentary style and while the wedding itself is not office themed I need some ideas and must-haves that would really fit with the mockumentary style so Alex um, you're a married man what what uh what Indeed. details should we try to uh, get captured in this mockumentary style? Gosh, so uh, Ann and I didn't do a wedding video. Um, we did. We had a photographer. We had a photo booth. Um, I I don't mind that we don't have a video. I kind of I I don't really I'm cool with it. But if I did this mockumentary style, is a fantastic idea. Um, because you're going to be able to do. I think it. It's going to be a better video than most wedding videos because you're going to interview a ton of people. Like you're going to get talking heads in various states of being drunk. Um, I would definitely, I would definitely try and do beginning of the night interviews, end of the night interviews, and maybe push those together. Could be a lot of fun just to see like how that goes. Um, in all the B-roll footage would be great. Talk to. I would I would get like either the someone at the catering to like talk about the food, kind of show you the food that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a memory that a lot of people. I'll say this about our wedding. One of the first things people bring up about like, oh, your wedding was great, was that we had pizza delivered at like 10 p.m. at the mm-hmm. end of the night. People just fixate on that. Um, pizza by Alfredo. Alfredo's, Alfredo's Pizza Cafe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a, either way, a medium <laughs> amount of good pizza. <laughs> it was a medium amount of good pizza. That's what it was. Yeah. I think it was Hammy's, actually. Shout out to oh, Hammy's. Oh, shout out to Hammy's. Wow. Yeah. I've thought of that in a while. Yeah. There's not a lot of places that will deliver like 20 pizzas at 10 p.m. They're one uh, of the only places. They're, no like they're open like legit 24 hours. Yeah. Or yeah, like 3, 4 a.m. At least they were. Easy. Yeah. They're, well, they'll, they'll, they'll deliver until like 3, 4 a.m., which is mm-hmm. crazy. Anyway, love Hammy's. Um, yeah. I mean... The people, that's going to be the most precious thing is just like interviewing all the people. And and this is why I say this is a good idea because a lot of other wedding videos that I've seen, it's a lot of footage of the bride and groom. It's a lot of just sort of footage of people there. And like, yeah, Snorfest, am I right? Yeah. Snorfest, boo, <laughs> who cares? Yeah. I was like, you just don't want to like, <laughs> I'll say this, like, like recently, like last year, um, my family, we rewatched my parents' wedding video. And what they loved, it's it's like, it's it's a lot of you seeing yourself. And it mm-hmm. was like, where they got excited watching this video, you know, 40 years later, is, is seeing all the shots of their friends when they were young and being like, oh my God, look, it's, 
you know, look, oh, look, it's, it's Steven Susan. And, oh, look at Mike Harple from all those years ago. And that's the part they loved. But you just don't get a lot of time with those people because the camera will just go back to my mom and dad. So based on that, like the more you could get little Talking Heads interviews from all your friends, like that's the stuff you're going to cherish so many years later is like, wow, look at how young so-and-so was. That's that's so much fun. Um, yeah, try and get a couple of staff interviews could be really fun. Um, get, get whoever's your like most entertaining friend, just have them kind of get some observations, point out the room. Like our friend Will would be, I would have loved a little interview with will being like tell us about your impressions of the space i would kill for that that'd be awesome um i don't know yeah what what do you think edwin what, what would be your ideas uh well i think i think you nailed it i think you you, you spoke to many many of these things uh something that's a little uh, in vogue these days is uh the social media videos where you interview people based on this is my first drink and this is my last drink. oh yeah yeah and you yeah, get to see yeah. those compilations i think You'd want a version of that, like you said. I think um, from from maybe just from a comedy perspective, you'd want to try to talk to get as many interviews at the beginning as you could, because then you'd want to revisit them later on, mm-hmm. um, depending on how things happen or who who uh, you know who who ends up being one of the funnier guests or more entertaining guests, as you said. Um, like, but I think you you made a really good point. You 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 get to see everyone because on this video because. Um, you probably only get to see them for a brief moment during the actual ceremony. But I love the idea of having yes. these little interviews, little behind the scenes sort of things to remember the small details that probably escape our memories as time goes yeah. by. The funny thing is, I'm also thinking like, what is the difference between filming a wedding mockumentary style versus documentary style? Like, it, it, isn't yeah. it just documentary style? Pretty um, much. Yeah. yeah we hired, if you- I'm going to hire someone to film my wedding Gangnam style. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, I, I guess another if, yeah, cool like, young dude, reference. <laughs> so tight, dude. Yeah. I guess it's also if you're doing mockumentary, there maybe there is like try and find try and find small inconsequential like stories to do. Like okay, so maybe early you start asking like, so who really needs to catch this bouquet? Like who who's gunning to catch this bouquet? <laughs> Or something like that. And like, like follow those little things throughout the night or, or, you know, who's trying to get a, you know, who's, who's single, follow someone who's single at this wedding. Um, <laughs> that would be a really fun, like if you're going to do a mockumentary versus documentary, there has to be then some characters with some stories that you're following or almost manufacturing. Cause otherwise you're right. It's just documentary. There's nothing or like, I guess you could say that, some wedding videos are basically just music videos, kind of mm-hmm. like that's kind of how they're made. Um, but in this one, yeah, try and find a character with some stakes who's like really like, what does this character want out of this wedding and follow them throughout the night to see if they get what they want. Uh, could be a really fun way to do it. I don't know. Now I'm just imagining the camera following around Sai at a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> Whoop. <laughs> But anyway, uh, thanks, Molly, for your question. Uh, congrats on your wedding, and I hope the documentary is incredible. Yeah, I man, if there's any way we can we can get that footage, yeah, uh, would love would love to see that. I hope that goes well. Best of luck, best of luck at your wedding. Um, and all right, I let's think wrap Alex up here. The last one, yeah, yeah. We just had a couple a couple emails that we got this month. Um, we oh, there's just two of them here, both food questions. So let's end on a little. Let's have a little food corner, and it's probably almost dinner time for you, Edwin, so this might mm-hmm. be a good, good appetizer for you. Um, first one comes from Amanda, who, who sent us this uh, at the beginning of the month, I believe after our Mafia episode we did in Italy. Uh, she asks, hi, MSPC. So, hi, MSPC crew. So you asked for other examples of the Southern Italian-American dialectical pronunciation of different foods. I'm Italian on my mother's side, and I grew up in New Jersey, and I can give you tons. Ragu for ricotta, or ragu, Uh. Um, R-A-G-U-T. Fazool for fagioli, a.k.a. beans. Manigot for manicotti. Oh, I love manicotti, dude. Dude, a good manicotti. (laughs) If you can find it, keep it. Never eat it. I actually just keep it forever. Never, never eat it. Just let it rot yeah. on the counter. A good manicotti is hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> How did I miss that? How did I miss that? 
Uh, God, th- thank God. Good man and grotty is hard to find. <laughs> I could be very persistent. <laughs> I actually felt Michael. Uh, I actually felt Michael in his gabagool moment as a young mm-hmm. girl. I went to an Italian restaurant with my family, and I was so excited to get to order for myself. I eagerly ordered the galamad, and the waiter looked at me perplexed. After a few moments, he asked, calamari? I was then perplexed myself. What's that? And when the fried squid rings with a side of marinara arrived, I knew. Love you guys. Forget <laughs> about it. <laughs> thank you amanda appreciate Amazing. the lesson thank you on alternative yeah um boy i couldn't imagine ordering uh calamari as a little boy if there was anything <laughs> as a boy that would freak me out more food wise than calamari <laughs> i don't know what it could be um I, i'm s- still not totally cool with it uh, one other food observation here um email from either i don't know the 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 Google name on this is Goa Litz, but then the actual email is Jake's Junk 99, which I could only assume is Meredith's son. <laughs> <laughs> Great email for, for, for old Jakey, uh, who has a fan theory based on Jan loving how Michael cooks eggs, who says, my theory is Michael is making Jan um, uh, tamagoyaki scrambled eggs and not just simply adding sugar, but also adding mirin. And soy sauce and dashi, that's why they're so good. And he sent a recipe for the uh, tamagoyaki Japanese rolled omelet. Now, crazy theory. If Michael's Michael's making that in the morning, uh, we don't know Michael Scott at all. There's no way he's, there's no (laughs) way he's making that. But if he is, that's amazing. Um, But I guess that that is a egg recipe in which you add sugar. So uh, good call out, good catch. Yeah, Edward, we, do you we, add sugar? What? How do you? How, how do you like to make eggs? Uh, <laughs> you add a little bit of milk, salt, and yeah. pepper, and there you go. yeah, you just scramble. Yeah, simple, easy. Yeah, a little milk, fluff them up. Yeah, mm-hmm. fluff them up. What else were you going to say up. there? Oh, uh, the other thing that we—if if that's the case—then it sounds like Michael's drink of milk and sugar is probably like a delicate, uh, like really really curated beverage experience that pam is just surprised that it's not coffee it is not just milk and sugar <laughs> it's something that is uh crafted with michael's artisanal uh culinary hands yeah yeah what's the gosh what's the name of there's a there's a drink in mexico that's i'm blanking horchata? on the name now it's like a horchata but it's it's a horchata, but a little different but yes i could see like yeah that's what michael's making with his milk and sugar <laughs> beautifully but balanced nuanced tastes um, but yeah, she's expecting like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts coffee, but <laughs> who knows? Maybe that's, maybe we don't even see that. Maybe Michael's just, just a whiz in the kitchen. Uh, unfortunately, we only see him eating not those things. He is an uh, enigma wrapped in a puzzle. That is for sure. No, we know he's not. <laughs> Bag of steep vegetables, sangria, call it a night, right? We want to, we want to examine it. The analytical part of us wants to examine it, but we know it has no content. Yeah. <laughs> it has no content. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got for you. All right. Well, hey, there you have it. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this episode. We we promised trivia is coming back strong, um, but we couldn't do it without our dear friend Sean. Uh, Sean also will be back. Uh, Sean Roney will return. <laughs> Sean Roney did not show his face in this in this call. By the way, he didn't show mm-hmm. up. So but that's okay. Sorry, we, wish, no Sean. we wish all the best uh, for for sweet baby Humes um, and, <laughs> and our uh, sweet baby Sean. Yeah, this episode was recorded over video chat in Bend, Oregon, and Zurich, Switzerland. Oh, yeah. Um, special thanks to Ryan Lloyd, uh, who does all our artwork, and Alex and myself, who worked on our theme song. Um, <laughs> you can reach us at mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram. We also have a voicemail line that you can call, and that number is, do you have it in front of you, Alex? <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. That was late. <laughs> Sean always reads this. Uh-huh. You'd think after all these years, we would know this is me vamping. This mm-hmm. is me vamping as I try and find the number. Uh, it's, oh God, I'm going to guess. I'm not going to guess. I'm just, I'm just going to get you the number here. That's okay. While Alex digs for the number, I'll just say thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging out with us. Um, while Alex and I talk about this episode from season one and all things, uh, Wedding mockumentaries, Gangnam Styles. 503-694-9314. Again, that number is 503-694-9314.
Consider joining our Patreon. Five bucks a month gets you access to all sorts of bonus content, and we make donations to the Thurgood Marshall College Fund to help support education. Um, Ad-free episodes? That, if you don't like those pesky episodes, ads? Yes. Um, bonus mailbags, talk content about White Lotus, Ted Lasso, Party Down. It's all there for you. Check it out. Um, join our Discord. But most importantly, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. Take care. Stay safe. We'll see you next week. Bippity boppity. Give me the zoppity. Yes, yes sir. sir. What an unpredictable world we live in. <laughs> I know who I want to take me home. I know who I want to take me home. Take me home. You know what, fine, I try to start fun traditions for you guys, but if you don't want to sing, no traditions. Closing time, every new beginning comes from some other beginnings end. Good night.